Hello, gang, and welcome to a very special episode of Out for Smokes. It is the 9-11 episode where we're going to talk about all things 9-11. We're going to talk about the day. <laughs> we're going to talk the about the date. The time. Day. Yeah. We're going to talk about Osama bin Laden. The month. We're going to talk about, yeah, um, what we remember about it. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's the, it's the what is it, the 21st anniversary? It's the 21st yeah. anniversary. So, um... Welcome. Welcome to the 9-11 episode. Do you guys remember where you were on when 9-11 happened? <laughs> yeah. I was in sixth grade. It was my first week of sixth grade. And I remember being in English class and someone saying, like a teacher coming to a room and pulling my English teacher out. Yeah. And then... See, I was in ninth grade. You were in ninth. Starting a new, okay, like starting sixth, a new school were, and everything. Yeah, I was like seventh. No, I was sixth grade. So I was sixth grade. Yeah, Hot we're dog. the same age, right? Yeah, I guess so. Then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I was eleven years old, and I remember the teachers whisper. You know, Sean was left back. You know, <laughs> we said <laughs> we find out Sean was left back in school for three times. That's what people don't yeah. like. Think about how gossipy teachers are, right? Mm-hmm. Now imagine you don't quite know what's happening the morning of nine eleven. Right. Yeah. So like we're just hearing teachers whispering to each other. Right. And so what I was told or what I overheard was that it's planes, the brand new school year too. Yes, it will obviously yes, and 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 planes were crashing into like the ground of New York like I kept picturing Pearl Harbor mm-hmm. you know and it was like tiny planes are hitting everywhere in New York and mm-hmm. that's what I heard initially uh-huh. and then we all got brought to the front of the school and our parents came and picked us up yeah mm-hmm. I was just imagining like the college students on like September 10th are like fuck I have not studied for this calculus to- <laughs> test tomorrow <laughs> well you know what's funny is like you hear all these stories and, and people are like when people talk about like where they were when like JFK was assassinated or whatever it's not it's never like a good story yeah yeah, but now the stories very... are even worse. We all find out the news the same way. Yeah. Like, if, if a president gets assassinated, it's, where were you? Taking a shit and looking at my phone. Right. Yeah, That's yeah. how all of us find out everything now. I just, it's kind of narcissistic to be like, oh, I was doing this. Well, I told you. Have I, I told you guys already about my aunt who hated JFK? No. Uh, she, like, hated it forever. I was like, and I never asked her, because why do you ask her? And then I finally asked her, and it was because he was assassinated on her birthday mm. and she was supposed to have a party that weekend or something <laughs> and her mom was like we can't have your party because uh, the president was assassinated because yeah. the country was mourning at the time you know yeah. meanwhile I specifically remember having Burger King not night of 9-11 <laughs> do you remember the meal you had that night uh, I'm sh- I think my mom probably cooked something I don't uh, know yeah, yeah we got Burger King you're, so you eat like a special meal yeah I remember being very nervous I remember shaking eating Burger King I I, really? I would like violently shake when I was nervous as a child really yeah you're, you're your aunt was told we can't have the party here but if you go to langley virginia there's going to be a celebration party <laughs> you can piggyback on for your birthday and then the next day my dad took off my dad my he didn't take off <laughs> he left Wait, imagine <laughs> imagine imagine, imagine it's your it's your birthday and 9-11 happens and, you, and they cancel your party and then you're like walking home you're all sad and then you see a bunch of muslims celebrating and you just you just join them yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, at least they have a pinata. <laughs> you know, I was like cheering on the roof, and you're like, hey, "My friend, my brother, come on, celebrate with us!" Yeah, it's my actually my birthday. My my whole family canceled my party. 
<laughs> You're like, man, I was so oh. down on my birthday, but then I went to New yeah. Jersey <laughs> oh, and man. I found these Israelis and they were all dancing. And you know, man, it was. So, I, I never realized that country was so friendly. <laughs> Wait, why do people say it's Israelis? I, I thought they say it's Muslims. Yeah, right. They There's, say it's Muslims. You know, and it's weird because like Trump made this mistake too, because there was like stories after 9/11 of like people in Palestine or whatever celebrating. Mm-hmm. But the story that you know we've told on Grub maybe State, you missed it. I said something like really funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, so the story uh, uh, that, you know, Trump told about Muslims celebrating in New Jersey after 9-11, well, that's kind of a butchered story, which is the what's called the Dancing Israelis, which, you know, it's very popular in, in right-wing and neo-Nazi circles, but it, it did at least partially happen, which is that a woman in New Jersey observed several men who were later identified as Israeli uh, filming the towers as they were burning, and they appeared to be celebrating. Mm-hmm. And so they are called the dancing nowadays. You just Israeli. call that a TikTok, you know? Like nowadays, <laughs> if, if sun gets hit, everybody's dancing in front of it. Right. But that's for content purposes. Yeah. Yeah. It is out of, out of whack in 2001 to be filming it at yeah. all. And those guys, and you can read. There's like an ABC News article. If you're curious, we'll link it in the description. But they were picked up by the police, and they were turned over to the FBI, and the FBI told ABC News, like, at least two of them had connections to Israeli intelligence, but they were ultimately released and sent back to Israel, and that's kind of the end of the story. And they were celebrating because their their mission was accomplished, the thing <laughs> yes. that they set out to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it is... Pro- I walked past... Wait, I'm sorry, just before go I ahead, forget. Go ahead, go ahead. So last week, I was I walked past a, like, a Muslim place of worship. What do you... Like a... A mosque. A mosque, right? Yeah. And, but I didn't know it was one. I yeah. didn't know. Yeah. But all I saw was a bunch of, bunch of shoes out front of, like, a place... Uh, and like a bit, like a big green area. You just stole some Muslim and guys' so, shoes. No, I thought it was a uh, like a bouncy plate, like a bouncy house, <laughs> right? And so I look inside the place and I go, "What the fuck is this?" Because that's what I said. Because I thought it was like an you adult. You saw a bouncy bunch of grown place. man men's yeah, shoes. Yeah, with their shoe, with their yeah. And I saw grown men's shoes. House. And I saw like this big giant. Yeah, so I thought it was a bouncy house. So I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And then I and then I realized what it was, and I was like, "Oh no!" Uh. And I felt really bad. But yeah, okay. Continue the nine eleven story. Scott's I guess like, that. yo, you know, twenty four year old Muslim men still go to bouncy houses. Like it's not looked down upon there. It's like it's a sign of maturity. I thought it was a bouncy house. I saw the synagogue and I was like, is this a water slide? <laughs> but what if like okay, they're like they're tourists, they're Israeli tourists, but they just don't know U.S. customs. So they see the building explode. They're like, oh, it must be Independence Day. <laughs> I want to blend in. I should celebrate. This yeah. is some sort of fireworks display. It is. Cra- wow. That is. Okay. So there is a woman who observed that. And they were Weren't it. there, but I think okay. there was like stuff on the news of people celebrating. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's stories of people like in the occupied West Bank celebrating. Sure. And yeah, I could buy it. They have every reason to hate America. But yeah. Trump specifically said Muslims in New Jersey right, celebrating right. when it's actually these Israelis in New Jersey were celebrating. Interesting. Um, yeah. And then so I guess I do you guys remember like where where you were and what happened? Anything? Anything interesting? I mean, like I said, I feel like these stories are kind of just whatever. So I found, yeah. you know, but uh yeah, I was like, I was in English class, and there was a radio. Bro- my, our teacher had a radio broadcast on, and they were talking about the the twin towers and stuff. And I was like, I thought it was like a we were doing a project from the time when the transfer was bombed in ninety three. Yeah. So then my teacher was like, uh, he was like, oh yeah, so apparently this happened, and a, another plane hit, and then one of the buildings, uh, one of the buildings collapsed. And I maybe there's like something wrong with me, but I remember thinking like, 
like cool. Yeah. There's no more twin. There's, one of the fucking <laughs> you twin towers collapsed. explaining the other, the bombing in 93. You're like, it wasn't planes. It was bombs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first conspiracy theorist. I yeah. remember like we had to write an essay about it and I wrote mm. something like, is this just going to disappear into the news and be forgotten next week yeah, or yeah, something? Because yeah. like, that's what I said. I was like, oh, this is like when Bill Clinton got a blowjob. Mm. This is like, the adults, they're going to forget about this in a week, and yeah. that'll be the next thing. Well, I guess I remember, too, like, people didn't know how to process it and how to deal with it. Yeah. And there was, like, because didn't they play on the on the news, like, didn't they play uh, Enrique Iglesias' Hero under the yeah, they used to do that footage a lot. of the towers? It's like, yeah, oh, I, I can, can be your hero. And then I think they would have, like, George Bush's speeches behind it and stuff, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Yeah. 911 calls. Mm-hmm. and um, Yeah, it was just like that. It's just like, yeah, because there wasn't any music for it, really. There wasn't any. No, there wasn't any, and nobody, nobody knew. Kind of like this podcast. And then Toby nobody Keith was to like, say. "We'll put a boot in your ass." We'll there were songs you. like that. You yeah, know? a lot of songs like that came out after. Yeah, and then that one song got a. Hu- it was before nine eleven, but spiked like crazy. Oh, proud that, uh, to be an American. Proud to be an American, yeah. where at least I know I'm free. Yeah, that was a big one, man. Yeah, yeah, chills. Yeah, yeah, just just the song you need when you're pushing through the Patriot Act, <laughs> fucking making everybody take their shoes off at the airport and making travel take an extra hour. We well, didn't know that. Well, at at least the first year, like, do you not change airline rules? Like, do you go no, keep your shoes on, everybody? Well, they didn't fly planes for what, like, I guess a couple months. It sure? was a few weeks, a few weeks, and then there's like. Uh, there's some like YouTube uh, 9/11 conspiracy documentaries you can watch, but they they rely on like local news reports at the time because there's an Internet Archive site that just it has all like 24 hours of news coverage from the first three weeks after 9/11, mm-hmm. and it's pretty interesting, you know. And there's a, a couple people who make documentaries on YouTube uh, based on this, but basically one of the things was when they first reopened the airports after 9-11, which I think was a week or two after. But there was this situation in New Jersey, I believe at Newark Airport, where the New Jersey Port Authority police, there were like three or four men on the plane who were like suspicious. And the passengers and the crew recognized them and said as much. And the New Jersey Port Authority police stormed in, you know, SWAT team tactics. They take these three or four men off the plane. They detain them. And then they just release them. They say it was a mistake. Mm. But it's just kind of a weird thing where it's like that was literally the first day after the airports reopened. So you could, you know, if you want to be generous, you say, oh, everybody was too paranoid. They just kind of got, you know, suspicious. And then they, uh, you know, called the police on these Muslim men. And then they were released because they did nothing wrong. But if you want to be cynical, you'll be there might have been other hijackers who didn't actually go through with it for whatever reason. Like yeah. they talk, they talk about there were plans for for other targets besides the four that they were going for. Yeah, the hijacker that runs free at the gate, <laughs> the Home Alone hijacker, the one they forgot at the house. <laughs> he wakes up and none of them are there because he fell asleep in the attic that night. Right there was the one at the strip club with Muhammad Atta who wakes up at like seven a.m. Like <laughs> fuck, yeah, exactly. God damn it, son of a bitch. He's like going down at the hotel and yelling at the receptionist. I said five a.m. alarm call. What the fuck are you guys he got doing? The stripper's phone number and he was like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if I want to crash a jet into the World Trade. Um, but like the hotel they stayed at was maybe seven minutes from where i grew up all all of Mm -hmm. all of that shit was kind of near me i remember Mm -hmm. my father the day after 9-11 he had to go in the city and he was gone for maybe like five days Mm -hmm. 
he was, you know, whatever kind of res- whatever number responder he was, like eleventh yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was there for a while. Yeah. And I have a piece of the Trade Center. Yeah. Because you know, you pick up. Why wouldn't you? You know, pick up a piece and put it in your pocket. We should test it for thermite explosives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got this uh, email from uh, this guy Paul Freed. He writes, uh, "Hey, Alfred Smokes, guys, I heard you were doing a 9/11 episode. As a 23-year-old, I don't really have a frame of reference for what the world was like pre-attacks. Obviously, there's changes in airport security and civilian surveillance, but I want to know more about how 9/11 changed American culture and general mindset." Thanks, Paul. Hey, Racine, caught you on Friday late show in Philly. Why did you uh, piss your pants uh, into this? Now he said he said your set was killer. Hope I can see you again soon. Thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, I don't really like remember it that much. I don't remember life because nobody really talked about foreign policy or yeah. or thought about it. It was like I don't know before nine eleven we had the Spice Girls. You know, we Backstreet had a couple Boys, good movie years. Sync, yeah, we had, yeah. Like what was the year two thousand? I don't remember. Y2K. It was like Millennium. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, LF, like, yeah. LFO. Yeah, Willennium, w- right? That, yeah, was, uh, that was like 97, I think. Or oh, the, really? no, the getting jiggy with it was 97. Getting jiggy with it. Yeah, we're just having a good time dancing to Will Smith at the school dance, wearing polos from the Gap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't really say, I guess I can't really say much about it because I don't remember. I do remember like flying to Vegas and my aunt and uncle met us at the gate. Which you could do. I don't. I don't remember airport security at all before now. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember being able to hug somebody right before they got on a plane. I do remember oh, yeah? being a little kid and hugging really? my mom's friend. Before, yeah, because it would happen often enough that that's a memory. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Which I feel like if I hated people and I wanted to really like f- fuck up a country, <laughs> and every time that those people fly flew, they would have to take their fucking shoes off, yeah, and just put their shoes in a in like put their laptop in a dirty fucking plastic bin that that people's shoes have been inside. It's like the story that Grinch does nine eleven, and he just doesn't yeah. want people hugging at the airports anymore. <laughs> yeah, how the Grinch stole it. <laughs> how the how the Grinch took our dignity away yeah because it's just so undignified i mean to me yeah. that's the worst that's the worst part of it it's just and we're doing this for fucking 20 years now yeah it's so undignified walking through the airport taking your shoes off <laughs> there's no way you care that out. much i do i hate it's pretty it really? it's, i mean honestly oh, i don't give a shit because i've been flying more lately and it's just like you know you f- if you fly once every three months it's not a big deal yeah but when you fly multiple times a month you're just like here we go and like the last time i flew there was a guy who like um was very like into his job as a TSA agent and he was very like he was like a you know probably autistic and he's like all right folks let's try we'll make this easy for you that's okay just put your stuff in the bin uh, you know take your shoes off oh, I want to make this easy not hard okay and just like talking to everybody you know perfectly nice guy but just talking to everybody like they're 6 years old and uh, I'm like, dude, Osama bin Laden's in heaven right now. He's <laughs> laughing his fucking ass off because he won. Do you remember? I, I don't remember it happening that day, but have you ever heard the Howard Stern morning of? He yeah. Stayed in the, like people are, you know, it's like, well, if you don't feel safe, you can leave, and he's mm. staying, and people are leaving. Oh, I, I, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. I'm going to leave now. You yeah. know, like, at, you know, yeah. as it's all happening, and yeah. immediately he's like, it's, the, it's that freaking Osama bin Laden guy. Yeah. <laughs> right away, he's really? like, it's Osama bin Laden. Yeah, I remember hearing about Bin Laden in like in like uh, I guess elementary school, middle school. Yeah, he was just like a guy that was on the terror list. 
Yeah, the um, I, I want to say it's ABC, but one of the channels interviewed him in like 1998, mm-hmm. and then there was the embassy bombings in Africa in '98, mm-hmm. and then the USS Cole bombing in 2000. So mm-hmm. there was there was a lot of talk about Bin Laden yeah. before 9/11. Yeah, um, but you know it's interesting, like just regarding the listener question, where it's like we actually we got some other feedback on the we did the episode with Caleb Pitts about millennials versus Zoomers. And one of the listeners pointed out, like, a dividing line between millennials and Zoomers is 9-11. And it's like, I mean, I don't really see it that way, because it's like, yeah, we're millennials. We all have mostly childhood memories mm-hmm. of 9-11. We were never... Or before a, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we were never adults in a pre-9-11 world. Right. So this, you know, and so, like, Zoomers, you know, they, they, they never saw it live or mm-hmm. remember seeing it live, but... We all became adults in the post nine eleven world. It's it's yeah. ultimately the same kind of experience, really. Yeah, and I guess I was pretty removed from it too. I mean, I was in Jersey, but but um, you know, there are people who like were there and they remember seeing people like Jay Welch, a friend of ours, is like he remembers seeing people like covered in ash. Mm. Um, Jay is a very funny guy. I remember when Osama bin Laden was killed, he had like oh, I was there. Yeah, you were there. Yeah, you I was were there, there right? I think you were there too. I was there. Yeah, oh, yeah. We I, remember, I don't remember. I don't remember. Is it the comic strip? At yeah, the comic yeah. strip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he had like no. I'm just and I'm saying like I'm not judging anybody's reaction to this, but Jay had like tears in his eyes after we. <laughs> it's better. It's better than that. So we're we're watching uh, in like when you first walk into the comic strip, the television and the bar are right there, and so we're all standing at the entrance, and it's. Barack Obama announces that Osama bin Laden has been killed. Uh, and then Jay up. asks everybody going up that night, can he be the one to tell the audience? <laughs> mm. Oh, like, really? Like he's taking it as a, this is his John Cena moment. You know, again, we didn't know John Cena was having a moment that night, too, right? Yeah. So he goes on stage. I don't, rem- I don't remember that. It's like comic strip late night, too. You yeah, know? yeah, so late it's like night, late yeah. at night. And, uh, and he's like, ladies uh, and gentlemen, uh, we've killed Osama and Jay, bin Laden. And I remember Jay, Jay got very emotional because he was like, he lived in Manhattan at the time. Sure, he was like, I remember people covered in ash. So it was like, you know, and he's, you know, he's. No, he's totally yeah. right. We were also kids at the time. He's not an Osama bin Laden stan like we are. <laughs> it was it was late night at the comic strip. So the audience was just like seven Pakistani immigrants. Well, and they were like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just throwing batteries at him. <laughs> well, that's what happened was it was most of the but people But Jay has like memories of being under- there. They yeah. didn't understand what he was saying. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him telling people and people being like, huh? And then mm-hmm. him being like. No, yeah, really. They just said it, and people mm. being like, okay, uh. Mm. <laughs> Powerful. I don't remember that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then did he like go into his act afterwards? He's yeah, like, so yeah. I'm dating? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, mean, I don't remember that part. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you who eats pussy? <laughs> you know, the, uh, you guys might know this, The Rock posted on Twitter about it before it was officially announced. Like, there was an announcement that Obama was going to address the nation, oh, okay. but nobody knew for sure what it was. Mm-hmm. And The Rock announced on Twitter that bin Laden had been killed. So that's like sometimes people say he has like CIA contacts or whatever. Yeah. I mean, he clearly, like, he's done the USO shit. He clearly has friends in the military or somebody tipped him off. Sure. And mm-hmm. I think when you're The Rock, like, there's just losers. Like, there's just higher, everyone's a loser. There's losers everywhere, you know? So there's just like higher up guys who are just like, hey, Rock, like, guess what happened? And like, it's just happening. They just want these guys to like them. I think it's the same reason that the CIA helps write. Why are you helping someone write a script for a fucking movie? Yeah. Because you want to be, you want that. You want that connection. Yeah. Well, they get to, they get their ideas out there and their agenda, Mm. you know, through. That too. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think this is this is probably kind of the boring part of of this, like the 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 actual event of it, right? Yeah. Like the, I remember but, I remember that not later that day going up to a hill on my town and you could see all the smoke. Really? From yeah, because you could see the skyline from where I live. Yeah. yeah, there were people in like Central Jersey who ha- who have that oh, memory. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I I remember. I guess I'm like too far okay. south and south into South Jersey. Um, so I guess when did you when did you start to think that like maybe something was kind of fishy? This is where we get into the Sean part. This of the is where show. we. Right. This is the Sean part of the show. Yeah, I mean like. Because I originally, like, you know, I watched Loose Change like everybody else when you're, like, in college or whatever. And so that convinced me. But then I, like, went through college and I became an adult and I, like, re-educated myself. I was like, oh, yeah. I was being stupid. Or, well, it is kind of cr- I mean, YouTube was a lot different back then because you yeah. go on YouTube now and you type in 9-11 conspiracy. And the first thing that comes up is, like, a Washington Post thing. Where yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. How, how misinformation that's uh, – this how settled information is poisoning people and making them vote for Donald Trump. Yes. And it's like, all right. And it, YouTube used to be like aliens present. <laughs> I mean, you could literally just say whatever. It was a different. I mean, yeah, but particularly time. before Google bought YouTube, there was no real algorithm. They would just put mm. the front page would just be most viewed. Mm-hmm. So the most viewed shit would just be like loose change, zeitgeist. Okay. You know? mm-hmm. It was just like purely what the most people were watching would be That's on the a front page because i don't YouTube. remember as a kid looking up 911 stuff but i always watched 9 like I, you know like 911 uh what is it can't melt steel beams jet fuel jet, jet fuel, fuel can't, can't melt, melt steel beams 911 i've known that i've known that that couldn't think of you were close i, I guess think of jet fuel <laughs> yeah. look into it people dates but cannot i never <laughs> i never looked for that shit but i knew about it and you're right it's because it was on the main pages of fucking everything yeah but then they had like this like popular mechanic article like quote unquote debunking right 911 truth and they brought like the loose change guys onto democracy now which is supposed to be like some sort of leftist government critical uh, you know, media outlet, but of course they bring these guys on, and then they bring who are like just college students. The guys who made that loose change film, like, you know, there I believe there are true things in it, but there are a lot of just conjecture and speculation and nonsense because these guys didn't know they weren't experts. They just kind of put shit together by reading shit online and made a documentary for a few grand, and it took off. But anyways, rather than Democracy Now interview like architects or intelligence specialists or peter dale scott is is a real like expert in terms of deep parapolitics rather than do that democracy later brings on these college students and just has popular mechanic uh scientists or mechanics anyways uh chew them to pieces basically Mm -hmm. so it's like they really did kind of set it up and and i think a lot of the tower seven and the you know uh, explosives and and that kind of shit iraq war made a lot of people go wait what what is and and look back at everything and go like oh you maybe you would want something to happen so you could go do other things yeah well i think they kind of set up the easiest to debunk or confuse people about is kind of what got put forward in 9-11 like it wasn't about you know some of the cia blocking the fbi from learning about the hijacker stuff it was just about like you know, I don't fucking know if a plane can destroy a steel building. I know it's basically never happened except 9-11, but it's like if, you know, um, mechanical engineer A and mechanical engineer B, one of them says, no, it cannot, and the other one says, yes, it can. I don't fucking know. Yeah. You know, so it's like these kinds of debates, 
they're ultimately pointless in terms of convincing skeptical people. So it makes sense that that's what the mainstream media focused on, as opposed to like the demonstrated CIA or Saudi connections to the hijackers and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there is very much kind of a knee jerk reaction when you when you bring it up and people go like, oh, really? Right. And you that's, know. you know, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today, which is just like, what is our collective mental block about 9-11, mm-hmm. which is like. You know, the Iraq war, we all understand. Any reasonable person you talk to uh, will say, yeah, the U.S. government lied us into an illegal war in Iraq. It killed minimum half a million people. Like, just a really horrific crime. The worst crime, one of the worst crimes in U.S. history. You know, numerous federal laws were violated, including against torture. Um, And then the Democrats, Obama, everybody who came in after, they just let them all get away with it. They became complicit in it, because that's what happens when you allow wide-scale criminal law breaking which sets off a war which is turns into a fucking genocide and then they let everybody get away with it and it's like yeah both parties are complicit in that we all know that happened we all know the u.s government did that so why is it so hard for so many americans to accept yeah they did also lie to us about 9-11 and Mm. definitely anthrax and probably the dc sniper too because those things were all Whoa, Sean, slow down! (laughs) (laughs) Really, the anthrax shit was bullshit? The anthrax shit in particular, like, honestly, what really got me, because I was like... Because that's a big part of 9-11, for people who, if you are a young listener, like, right after 9-11, there was a lot of like, whoa, be afraid of opening your mail, there might be anthrax. Yeah, oh yeah, like, as a kid, I remember that much more than I remember 9-11. I remember all the newspaper articles and the the media reports freaking out about anthrax. Right after, there was another plane crash, too, some American Airlines flight, like, went down, because I remember my English teacher was like... Apparently another plane went down, and I guess it it, la- it crashed in Queens, and there was a guy just like in his house <laughs> that like died from a fucking plane <laughs> crashing into his house. Yeah, I forget the flight, but that that plane crashed, and everybody thought it was like terrorism, and he's just like, no, that guy like fucked somebody's wife. He's like, yeah, yeah, I've got an idea. He fucked the pilot's wife. <laughs> actually, actually, the greatest. Actually, you want to talk about Sully. <laughs> the pilot flying this one was the best pilot to ever live because he killed the guy who fucked his wife with a plane. Yeah, he was he was supposed to be one of the 9-11 hijackers, but he waited. <laughs> but yeah, like, and, and on the believing thing, like, again, you can watch any mainstream. I don't think anybody serious will dispute. The that. guy's in his house in Queen, just like, holy fucking, and he sees the, the pilot's head. The last thing he sees is the pilot's face coming towards him with a jet. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> He's got like a handwritten sign, like Deborah sends her regards. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hope it was worth it. Why'd you say Deborah? Oh, we yeah. talk about a cheating. Yeah, wife? I don't know. That was. I'm in seven. No, I did my, not think about the, that. It's the you perfect name for a cheating for wife. a cheating wife. Yes. <laughs> think I'm getting cucked. <laughs> that was the other thing you like because. Uh, now, I don't know if, and I guess none hey, Mike, of us can answer Mike, this. Scott and I need to host the podcast alone at your apartment this week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, girl, week <laughs> off. <laughs> Dude, like, we can't even answer this because we were too young, but I learned about, like, Muslims at, from 9-11. Of course, you know, like, yeah. I, I was like, oh, you're yeah, a Muslim, yeah. that's it. And then it was like, and then this happened, and it was like, they did it because they, they, they think us. they get 72 virgins, these fucking idiots. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm, like, thrown into, like, their beliefs, and, yeah, like, yeah. I don't even know if it's true or not. It's all so new to me. Yeah, yeah. I remember just, like, wanting to be informed about everything, about, like, what was going on in the world. And I read this book. I read this book called Sword of Islam when I was, like, 14 or 15 by this guy, John F. Murphy Jr. Mm. And I don't... I 
don't remember a single fucking thing from this book, but it was all about like te- Arabic, Arabic terrorism. And the cover of the book is like mm-hmm. these, like, you know, Muslim guys, one's holding a sword. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. I remember uh, yeah. Captain America in a comic book, like specifically stopping a man from hate criming a, a Muslim. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. And then he was like denounced so my, my as a traitor. Learned better, yeah. Well, somebody killed like a Sikh gas station owner in oh, Arizona yeah. or something a couple weeks after. So it yeah. wasn't a great time to be Muslim. But if you hel- if you hung in there, now you have a comedy career. If you want one, <laughs> if you were a Muslim t- teenager, <laughs> the Yellow Ranger killed herself on nine eleven. She correct? died on nine eleven. I think she yeah. died in a car crash. Oh, it was 9/11. a car crash yeah. on nine eleven. Yeah. Yellow Ranger. Yeah. She was trying to stop 9-11. Well, some comic has a joke about that. This guy, John Bagley, always like, do you think Osama bin Laden was like, the Power Rangers are weak? <laughs> now it's time to attack. <laughs> That's then, perfect. Yeah, it's a funny joke. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, just to like, you know, finish my thought on the Iraq war, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, so yeah, they nobody would dispute my characterization of the history. I don't think anybody serious would. Like, you can watch a mainstream frontline documentary. They'll talk about Dick Cheney created the Office of Special Plans, it was a department of the Pentagon. It only existed from September 2002 to June 2003, and that was just so they could cook up bullshit intelligence. Like, the CIA analysts were not giving them what they wanted, which was Iraq has WMDs. Right. So they just created an intelligence department within the Pentagon that existed for just, you know, half a year, and it was just to feed raw intelligence, which they would in turn leak to the New York Times, and the New York Times would report, you know, Saddam getting yellow cake or whatever the fuck. And they would just leak this uh, intelligence to the journalists, and they all, you know, dutifully repeated it. And they created this hysteria where, like, three-quarters of the U.S. public, before and even after the immediately after the Iraq invasion, three-quarters of the public thought Iraq was behind 9-11. Right. Because they just blanketed the airways, and they, you know, made it very clear... Like, they, they were careful not to, like, explicitly say that, but they, you know, they always talked about, like, some Al-Qaeda operatives had, like, meetings with Saddam's They would kind of say it without saying it. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was this story about, like, um, I want to say either Khalid Sheikh Mohammed or Mohammed Atta or one of them was uh, meeting with Saddam's intelligence agents in the Czech Republic before 9-11. And so the Bush administration, they put out all those kinds of stories and just kind of, like, you know, feed them to the media and let the media hype people up. And, you know, with the anthrax and the snipers and shit, everybody was fucking insane in this country already. So it didn't mm-hmm. take much to get them wound up. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, so nobody denies that everything that I just said happened. This yeah. was a deliberate lie to get us to go to war and murder half a million people. Well, this guy so- Stephen Hayes wrote a book, right, called, like, The Connection. It's called, like, the, it was, like, uh, Al-Qaeda... And the and the connection to Saddam Hussein. Yeah, there were a few of those published. There was like a Council on Foreign Relations book about the case for invading Iraq. Or you and know. I think his ultimate conclusion was like they all hate us. Yeah, you know. And you know, Christopher Hitchens was all over TV talking about the Saddam connection to nine eleven and mm-hmm. how we needed to liberate Iraq. But you know, the point is, okay, nobody disputes that, and that's like a really evil and difficult thing to accept about your government. like, we need to go over there and suck Saddam Hussein's <laughs> cock. <laughs> There's also the war on terror, like the idea of it being called the war on terror. Yeah. For my kid brain, I just thought, oh, that means you are going to go where terror is. Mm-hmm. And that's what they wanted you to think. Yeah. Worked for me. Well, I, remember my da- I remember my dad being like, you know, we're we're killing like a thousand terrorists a day over in Iraq. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, yep, and we got them all. <laughs> it's like it's dust in your in your apartment. Yeah, yeah. The kill to create terrorists is like crazy, right? Of course, yeah. We have created far more terrorists than yeah. we've killed. 
Yeah. And it's like, yeah, so like that's a really I think tough thing to accept about your government, but most Americans don't have a problem with that. But it's like there is this mental block when it comes to the next step, which is they either allowed or made 9-11 to happen. And I think Mm -hmm. the evidence is pretty clear on that point, but it is also something where it's like, if you are a rational person and you want to look at the evidence with a rational, open mind and just kind of follow it wherever it leads, it'll lead you to a conclusion where if you say it out loud, your career is in serious trouble. Sure. Like, you know, like Spike Lee, just last year, he did an HBO 9-11 documentary. And just for like the sake of balance or because he was curious. And he got me (laughs) too'd. Spike Lee invited um, some uh, representatives of this group, architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. And they are 3,000 architects and engineers who just say, no, this could not have, this building could not have been destroyed by a plane impact based on the evidence we have available to us. Um, You know, we need a new investigation. And Spike Lee just had like a half hour segment where he had them and some debunkers and they just had a debate back and forth, basically. And before the documentary even came out, this leaked to the media and there were like dozens of articles basically calling, you know, Spike Lee an anti-Semite, you know, like uh, a conspiracy theorist, uh, you know, like a Donald Trump misinformation guy. And he was under enough pressure that he cut the segment entirely. It doesn't appear in the documentary now. And like if you go to the Anti-Defamation League website, one of the founders of uh, Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth is actually listed there as an anti-Semite. Even though the article acknowledges he's never said anything about Jewish people. Mm -hmm. But it's just like the implication, and and they've really... Which is hard to do, (laughs) especially if you've been podcasting for over 10 years. (laughs) Well, it's like, yeah, the implication is like, and you know, some of these like, uh, what do they call them? Uh, Misinformation researchers or disinformation specialists, you'll see them online. They're all paid by the Atlantic Council or, you know, the military industrial complex. But they'll essentially say, if you suggest that there are, you know, secret cabals that occasionally get together and conspire and do things to make themselves more money, if you believe that, well, that's just the same thing as saying the Jews run the world. Right. There's, like, no difference between saying that there are uh, wealthy ruling elites who occasionally plot and keep things secret from the general public and, you know, Adolf Hitler, Goebbels, the Jews have a cabal and they run the entire world. And and it's really just a weaponization of, of anti-Semitism, a very cynical weaponization. But it's, I think part of it is it's just like, it's really cowed people into being afraid of to-, to talk about this. And just the other part is like, once you accept it, it's very hard to just kind of go about your day-to-day life. Like if you listen to those phone calls of like people calling 911 and being like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. You know, it's, it's fucking horrifying. Yeah. And then you're like, what kind of fucking evil would do this to make, you know, $8 trillion or uh, that was one estimate of how much we spent on the, the 20 years of war since 9-11. But, you know, it's like... I'm going to say it is crazy when you say a terrible thing and then you, sound, you say the biggest number I've ever heard. <laughs> you go, what kind of maniac would do it for... <laughs> you're, you're just imagining... The you're just imagining ever. you, you yeah, as you zoo. Go, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you go, wait a second. <laughs> Eight trillion? <laughs> like, you just have a man with gorillas yeah, running yeah. around. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, you know... and that's, that, the, that's the new... It's like, would you suck a dick or whatever for, you know, however many... Mm-hmm. It's like, how much money would you do 9-11 for? Yeah. And eight trillion? Whoa. Yeah. I mean, one trillion would get my wife off my back for a little bit. 
<laughs> about, about how fucking poor we are. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know that's the thing. It's like so. There's a Brown University study that says the 20 year war on terror cost eight trillion U.S. dollars and nine hundred thousand deaths. Mm-hmm. And it's just a conservative estimate. There's you know even bigger numbers that uh, people have estimated, but it's like. In terms of the motive, like, that's easy. Yeah. Like, there was, again, $8 trillion. Would you kill? You might kill somebody for $8 trillion. I think you guys are good people. You wouldn't. Of course not. But no. there's, you've, you've met enough people. One person? Have you met people, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's so it's like, yeah, motive does not prove it by itself, but people have problem with this. Like, what, what, how could the U, what motive could the U.S. government have for doing And it's like... It's right there, eight yeah. trillion dollars. This is what Eisenhower meant when he said military-industrial complex. This right. this country and the businesses in it, they make a lot of money off war. Yeah, I've thought about this stuff a lot, and it's like you know, you look at like I saw that I saw that movie Zeitgeist, and you know, you look at like Building Seven and the raid, and you listen to Jesse Ventura, and and then but and, and but then there's another part of you that kind of goes like, all right, but maybe. Our security, it, 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 like if there's a chance that our security was just very lax, yeah. and these guys with box cutters were able to like crash the planes, and then they didn't even think the the buildings were going to collapse. They just thought, but the buildings weren't built very well, and it was just kind of this perfect storm of like you know, yeah, all these things happening at once. I saw this other video. That, there's another video on YouTube. Comments are, are disabled because the guy's a coward, but uh, <laughs> he's like a metal worker, and he goes like, you know, all you guys saying jet fuel can't melt steel beams. He's like, but I've heated the steel rod up to 1500 degrees, yeah, and it's like very malleable. It's like ba- it's like a piece of spaghetti that he's able to yeah, yeah. manipulate. Spaghetti's the wrong. <laughs> word but it's, it was the first thing that came into my head but the the noodle is like this like he's able to you know the the noodle thing about noodle, the steel beam noodles. is the able steel, to bend the steel like beam is able to bend like a noodle so like now i don't know how that makes something fall at the rate of gravity but like you said you know you're yeah. not like a and then so you so you go like okay i can see how both of these like it's like it seems like both sides of the argument people feel equally as strong but you don't want to let go of that doubt in your in your mind yeah yeah and it's like you're right there are let's say most of the evidence that there was an inside conspiracy here is circumstantial though i think particularly with regards to saudi arabia's intelligence agency being involved i think that's proven beyond a doubt at this point yeah that's what everybody kind of says and my opinion is that saudi arabia wouldn't have been able to do that without permission from somebody in the united states you know, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be the top levels, but, you know, it's like they get a pretty good fucking deal. Why would they attack America unless somebody... Why do we go to war with Afghanistan if, if 19 of the hijackers were Saudi? 15 of the 19 were 15. Saudi, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we have, uh, particularly the Bushes, but just the U.S. establishment in general since Franklin Roosevelt has had a very close relationship with the Kingdom of Saud. Because of and, the oil. Yeah, because the oil, like, U.S. gets uh, most of their oil from them, but there's also, like, big business relationships, like the Carlisle Group. Uh, after we protected uh, the Saudis from Saddam in the Gulf War, uh, the Carlisle Group, um, uh, which the Bush family and the Bush administration, uh, both of them were very heavily involved with, mm-hmm. it's a private equity group, but they got a lot of security contracts to, like, train the Saudi police and stuff. So there's a lot of money going both ways in Saudi Arabia and the U.S. relationship, and that corrupts both sides of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, there's there's that element. But basically, like, I understand people who, you know, they hear, like, let's say two or three of the things 
that are suspicious about 9-11 and you there is an explanation where it's a coincidence it's like yeah you know i mean that, that sucks i guess the towers were shittily built it's not impossible Right. You know, like, it's also like let's built give by the Italian. tower some credit. It, maybe the planes are also f- they're giant planes. Like planes right. <laughs> are huge. It's yeah. not just like oh they're shitty. These are these aren't uh, regular ass planes. I can see how towers are big, but planes are big too. Yeah, I mean, but that's an actual <laughs> yeah, yeah. argument. Yeah, yeah. People go, what can knock down a building? A giant yeah. plane. A jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A giant yeah. fucking plane. Yeah, but yeah, it's like okay, mentally for your own mental health and sanity, it's a lot nicer to walk around and be like you know my government's pretty shitty but they wouldn't just you know murder three thousand innocent people here Mm -hmm. they might do it in iraq they might do it in afghanistan but they wouldn't do it here right they're at least you know ostensibly they might make mistakes but they're at least trying to protect me and then it's like if you take that attitude and it helps you kind of live your day-to-day life you can kind of explain maybe two or three of the little coincidences but what happens is if you really look at it you start to realize it's like it's actually like 10 or 15 or 20 it's like there's so many different things that happened in order to allow this to happen and the main thing that convinced me is just looking at like the cia particularly the alex station is the unit they had monitoring bin laden and al-qaeda and they deliberately interfered to allow at least two of the hijackers to enter the country they made sure the fbi there were two fbi agents attached to the alex station and they ordered them not to report that these two hijackers who had been at least one of them involved in the 1998 embassy bombings in africa he was a known terrorist and he had a visa to enter the united states and the cia ordered the fbi uh attached agents not to report it and then they lied about that they, they uh, told the rest of the CIA, essentially, hey, we, we alerted the FBI. Don't worry about it. And so there's really, and there's that and there's other stuff. The fact they had 26, 25 war games all scheduled for 9-11. Like, What's that? Uh, war games. So there were military exercises going on, including like at least one or two that were like simulating a hijacking. So if you listen to the FAA tapes, um, you'll hear some of the FAA people be like, is this real? Like, because they hear the report about the hijacking, they're like, "Is this real? Is this a war game or something?" Right. You know, it's like because they definitely act like no one could have thought of that. Like, no one, no one would. We never thought they could use planes and fly them into. I never buildings. thought of it until it, it happened. You know. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, okay, so John Ashcroft was Bush's attorney general in July two thousand one. He stops flying commercial aircraft. He exclusively flies private jets. July two thousand one. And he tells his acting FBI chief, who's trying to brief him about Al-Qaeda, he says to him a quote like, I don't want any more briefings about Al-Qaeda, quote, there's nothing I can do about that, unquote. Why the fuck is the attorney general saying there's nothing I can do about Al-Qaeda in July 2001 when he's personally stopped flying commercial because he heard some specific threat against commercial airlines in July 2001? Well, because 14-year-olds are getting abortions, I guess. <laughs> and the mayor of San Francisco, he gives a right after 9/11. Willie Brown, he's the guy who hooked up with the Kamala Harris, but he gives an interview to a local paper in San Francisco right after 9/11, saying, "I was going to fly to New York on 9/11, but quote my security people at the airport told me not to." Hmm. And there's like a similar story with uh, one or two generals in the military who basically got warnings: don't fly on 9/11. There's massive insider trading. Like there's uh, not only of the airlines, United and uh, uh, American. Uh, which were hijacked. And it was 9-11 specifically? Um, for Willie Brown, yes. I believe for one of the generals, I think this was like a salon story. I have it linked on my sub stack. I'll, I'll put that in the uh, 
in the description. Okay. But yes, they, there were warnings given to these people about flying on 9-11. And like, the thing that really convinced me is the insider trading, where it's like, there have been three different econometric papers that have shown there was a near certain probability of informed insider trading in the month and weeks before 9-11 which is you can look at the stock market or any exchange on the market over a seven-day period, and you can say, okay, um, this is the average amount of shorts, you know, bets that X stock is going to go down. And then it's like, oh, hey, there's 25 times the average on this week before 9-11. And that's exactly what happened with United Airlines. Somebody knew that two United Airlines planes were going to fucking get hijacked and crash in 9-11. And United stock was going to tank as soon as the markets reopened. And uh, th- But not only that, there were, starting in August 2001, there were shorts on the S&P 500, the market in general, bets that that would go down. But there were also buys on security companies like Stratsec. There were, uh, you know, and these, all of these, uh, all of these suspicious trades are like, you know, either four or eight or 20 times typical average. So you just put that all together and it's like, yeah, people knew this was coming. And we can look at specific instances where what is, you know, let's say euphemistically termed incompetence really does seem like malice once you put all these dots together. Mm -hmm. But then when you think about like a conspiracy, you go like, all right, so there was probably like Bush, like when you first think about a a conspiracy that you're like, there's probably Bush, Cheney, you know, but also Bush just got there, right? I mean, this is September 2001. And so he just came into office end of January. Yeah. He was like, I got an idea. <laughs> just off the bat. Just right off the bat, yeah. <laughs> It's going to sound First wild. order business. All right, look, guys. <laughs> I'm going to knock those fucking Twin Towers down and go to war with Iraq. <laughs> so you want to, like, reform Medicaid or anything? or But but so you think of, like, this small group of people who, like, yeah. who, like, orchestrates it. But then, but then you go, like, all right, but then you needed, you know, the guys who put the thermite paint in the buildings, yeah. the guys who rigged Tower 7, the guys who drove the trucks at it. Because I did a moving job one time. These guys were like, I heard the night before 9-11 there was mad trucks going out of the buildings. So you got the guys driving the trucks. But yeah. then you have all these people doing the insider trading. Yeah. So it, could this be a conspiracy with like thousands of people involved? The um, the suspicion with some of the insider trading is people might have you know bribed like fbi agents i believe two fbi agents were reprimanded for like illegal trading or something like that but you know but some of the other insider trading stuff is connected to like this guy buzzy krongard who worked for this firm alex brown and he was he became the number three at the cia right before 9-11 after being a wall street banker and then some of these suspicious trades were run through the former bank that he was a ceo of which is pretty weird. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, some of the Stratsec stock was apparently bought by, like, a distant relative, I think a cousin of President Bush. But it's like, you know, I don't think... I think in terms of who's actually at the head of this conspiracy, you know, uh, and you can only go on circumstantial evidence with this, but let's go with a the scenario. There's no scenario that makes sense except Dick Cheney. Mm-hmm. Because Dick Cheney was the guy in charge on 9-11. Uh, they activated what's called continuity of government. That's where uh, it was set up in the 50s. If there's a nuclear attack, they can essentially dissolve the Constitution and just have the military be in charge. And they're, in that scenario, they're supposed to separate the president and the vice president, and one of them takes charge from an underground bunker in Raven's Rock. They have these continuity of govern- government facilities or a bunker underneath the White House. So it's weird, like, on 9-11, you know, Bush was in Florida— Cheney was at the White House. He goes to the bunker underneath the White House. 
and he gives three different timelines of when he went to the bunker and what he did there. He, he's you know interviewed by Tim Russert and some other people. He gives three different timelines. Eventually, he's asked by the 9-11 Commission, but it's not under oath. No transcript is taken of it, and uh, George W. Bush is there as well. It's like the only interview with any investigative body these two ever went through was together, no written record is kept, and they're not under oath. So there's no risk of prosecution if they lie. But Cheney goes to the the bunker under the White House. He's running things on the day of 9-11. Norman Mineta was the transportation secretary. He died recently, and he says that he told the 9-11 commission, basically, some junior soldier, you know, like a young kid, would come into the bunker, and at various intervals, he would say 15 minutes out, and he would say 10 minutes out. And then he came back and he said five minutes out. And at this point, he apparently asked Cheney, this is what Norman Mineta said, you can watch the video on YouTube, he asked Cheney uh, at five minutes out, do the orders still stand? And Cheney whips his neck around and says, of course the orders still stand. Have you heard otherwise? And basically what people have interpreted this to mean, based on the timeline, was that there was an order not to shoot down the plane that hit the Pentagon. Because the timeline doesn't make sense anywhere else. Like, I guess the apologists will say it's like this is an order to shoot planes down, but this comes before the plane hits the Pentagon. It doesn't make sense unless they were tracking the Pentagon plane with orders not to shoot it down. And so, you know, I mean, it's like the the reality is Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld, Donald Rumsfeld was Bush's um, defense secretary. They had been involved in, in this continuity of government stuff since the 1970s. They were in the Gerald Ford administration, and then when they left the political office they continued with these continuity of government exercises in the private sector and the entire point of continuity of government is there's actually a communication network that keeps no written record and has no congressional oversight so peter dale scott he wrote this excellent book the road to 9-11 and he talks about cheney's actions on that day and he basically theorizes that these holes in the record are cheney going out to the continuity of government phone and calling Donald Rumsfeld or somebody else through the continuity of government lines. So he was able to communicate in a way where there was no monitoring whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, again, this is all circumstantial evidence, but in terms of a scenario that makes sense based on the stuff like the insider trading and the CIA's Alex Station letting the hijackers enter the country and, and this kind of thing, yeah, that's the scenario I see. Dick Cheney did this because he's an evil man, and the fact that he, you know, invaded Iraq based on lies and murdered half a million people should be enough to convince you that he's capable of that. He's capable of murdering 3,000 Americans to make his, you know, oil buddies and his defense contractor buddies $8 trillion and, and do what he believes to be in the interest of the country, which is just have permanent military bases in the Middle East and be the only dominant superpower forever. Yeah. Do the orders still stand and it's just like a bunch of McMuffins and donut holes? <laughs> They're like, it's, he's, he's demanding that he knock down the Pentagon. <laughs> the Pentagon thing, we don't even, I mean, that's how little, again, anybody listening who wasn't alive or even younger than we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one cared then. <laughs> no one talks about it now. Yeah, yeah. The Pentagon situation is like, how many people died in the Pentagon? It was like uh, 150 or something. Yeah, it was nobody like, talks about it. There's no yeah. evidence. There's no video of the plane there's hitting one, it. There's one. There's one video. 
Okay. But even Michael Moore made the point at the time. It's like, well, the Pentagon is the most secure facility on Earth. Why is there only one fucking video? Well, but, that's probably why, maybe. They don't want you to know where the cameras is, guys. Yeah, very possible. You know? Kill three al- three aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 fuck. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? Is dead, <laughs> dead alien. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and like, look, just there's a... Like the thing is, what's do you think some more of this information will like come to light someday? But people, but but I think people will be so far removed that it yeah. won't really even mean anything. Like Vietnam and sure. JFK and JFK, all this other yeah. stuff. That, sure, yeah. but even the JFK shit, we don't. I mean, we don't know much of. If much. you were like, if 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 there was like a document that came out that said the CIA murdered JFK, and it's it's like definitive proof. It doesn't feel like it would be that big of a deal. No, not really, because they would say, oh, we changed. It's all different. And, yeah. like, 9-11... It would be an excuse, though. It would give people an excuse who are already fed up to go, all right, fuck it. Now's the time. Yeah. You know, like, I think you could raise your hand and go, like, I want out the country. Like, what's that sort of civil war? Where, like, if they say we killed a former president, where you could well, just kind of raise like, your hand and go, can I be an, a part of another piece of this country? Can we divide really now? Be like, it would just be, like, boomers killing each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, how much do you really... I mean, it's interesting, but how much do you really care but, well, about it? What I'm Jeff? saying is you using it as, as an excuse, though. It, it's a yeah. perfectly... I think by law, you should be allowed to be like, hey, I don't want to be a part of the government that openly admitted to killing the guy they act like was the hottest, best one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they act like he was the hottest, best one, and they killed him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, people say uh, no group can keep a secret. You couldn't keep a secret. Well, it's like, well, if you look at the timelines... There's lots of secrets that are last good. that yeah. last longer than 20 years. Johnson and Johnson was putting asbestos in their baby powder, and they knew this from tests back in 1972. It didn't come out till 2018. Oh it's yeah, dude, I used Johnson and Johnson on my butthole, and I think I'm dying now. <laughs> I used it my whole life on my asshole. Like you know how some people just use it as a baby. I always did it. Before I went out, I powder my balls in my asshole a little bit, and I'm definitely going to have uh, prostate Like, I eat Gerber food right out of the yeah. jar. <laughs> <laughs> just doing and I'm going to have prostate cancer because of it. Yeah. But it's it like, sucks. yeah, they, they kept that secret for almost 50 years. And, like, the coups... God's like, I watch Barney. <laughs> I still watch Barney to this day when I need to unwind. <laughs> You know the coups, the uh, the coups the CIA did in the fifties. Those didn't come out until the seventies. So you can. Mm. Keep, it's only been twenty one years. Mm. If Johnson and Johnson can keep a secret for fifty years, the CIA, which can fucking kill you, they can probably keep a secret. Not always, but a lot of the time. And the reality is, like in my opinion, with nine eleven, the evidence is all there. It's just people. Right. They have a mental block, and there are career. Or they're cons- scared to say anything. Yeah. It's also just one of those things that's like, whoa, shut the fuck up! Like the idea of even like, okay, think, we're yeah. gonna have to open up an investigation and interview everybody. Like, yeah. Yeah. it's so easy for a politician to act offended to be like, what? Why are you asking me these questions? Yes. I mean, that, it, it sounds insanely offensive, but it's what you're supposed to do. You have to do it. Yeah. Ask the yeah. questions. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Mr. Vice President, no disrespect, but did you murder <laughs> three thousand people? <laughs> right. Exactly. Are you the most evil man in world history? <laughs> you would think there'd be a whistleblower or something, but then it's like, I don't know, you don't want to come home and like your family's dead. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like, you know, there are like there's this guy, Philip Marshall, who was a former pilot who actually uh, worked with Barry Seal. You know, they made that Tom Cruise movie about him, but he was like involved in CIA drug trafficking. And he was murdered by the um, I believe the Medellin cartel, but probably the CIA set him up to get killed. But anyways, a pilot named Philip Marshall, he worked with Barry Seal, and after 9-11, he wrote two books basically saying this is impossible because he was a pilot and he knew what it took to fly a commercial aircraft. And he said, these guys only had, as far as we're being told, they only had training on single-engine planes. You would need, like, uh, 737 training. 
You can't just fly a single-engine plane and then mm. jump into a 737 and know how to make those kinds of maneuvers, like Hani Honjor does this corkscrew before he hits the Pentagon and stuff. And so he, he theorized that basically they had secret Saudi trainers, and this was done at like you know maybe a Blackwater facility in Arizona or somewhere in the desert where you could actually fly. But you know, regardless... He dies. Why would they? Why would they go to flight school just to make it look like they yeah. did? Just well, to have the evidence. That's the theory. It's like either, um, either they had, either the hijackers had more training than we were being told. Mm-hmm. Because I do not believe people who have never flown a seven three seven. Like people say, it's easy to crash, but you look at the actual maneuvers they did. Like no, that's actually quite difficult to make these kinds of turns without stalling out the plane. These are very uh, complicated pieces of equipment. So the the theory that philip marshall had is that they had additional training that we weren't told about for whatever reason like you know maybe some of the saudis in the united states who were flown out uh immediately after 9-11 maybe some of those people were involved in training the hijackers and then other theories people have is that there were essentially remote controls like there were drones like people talk about you know they flip the planes out or something but you could also just have there, there is video of people being like, like oh my god for you <laughs> like uh, <laughs> they switch out the planes and put them where in Jay Leno's uh, garage? <laughs> Jay Leno's garage. <laughs> Actually, the puppy p- plane. They hit the the plane supposedly hit the what's right now? You know, George W. Bush. He came here and he executed the passengers. He shot them right in my garage. Yeah, there is video of people being like, "Oh, it was a military plane." Like that, it wasn't. You know. Yeah, and it's like, look, my honest opinion is I don't take an opinion on, like, controlled demolition or thermite. I think it's possible, but I right. think I don't fucking know. Right. My honest opinion is, like, if you look at the connections of the hijackers to the Central Intelligence Agency and you look at the insider trading that occurred before 9-11, there are more people than the 19 hijacked. Because nobody says these trades were done by Al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. Nobody says that. Um and the only body that's investigated that, the 2004 9-11 Commission, they just said the insider trading, well, there was some suspicious trades, but they were not connected to Al-Qaeda, and Al-Qaeda did 9-11, so it's not suspicious. Right. And then after that, there's been three more econometric papers that have been like, yeah, it's almost certain probability there were insider there were trading. suspicious trades, but yeah. okay, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, you know, so it's like, my opinion is when you look at the evidence, the only thing is like, we can't, we can have our little theories... But we don't have subpoena power. We can't put people under oath. The only thing that had ever solved this would be another 9-11 investigation, which would be either Congress or some judicial body would, you know, drag Dick Cheney before it and ask him under oath, cross-examine him, say, you know, hey, what did you actually do here? And if you lie, you're going to prison. And just do that with, like, a lot of these people, like these CIA guys, Richard Blee, Tom Wilshire, who were at the Alex station, and they prevented the FBI from learning about the hijackers and the FBI would have, if they had known about the hijackers, would have immediately trailed them and 9-11 wouldn't happen. So it's like these people have never been seriously questioned or examined about it. And it's it's very odd where, you know, like it just like last thing, because I know we probably got to continue this on the Patreon, but like there uh, the 9-11 families like people say you're being disrespectful to the families when you talk about this shit or whatever and it's like the 9-11 families or many of them are currently suing saudi arabia they had to pass this through congress obama vetoed it but it was over uh, the congress overrode the veto because there was Obama's like nope <laughs> shut up stop it get at the fuck out of my office uh, uh, there was enough 
<laughs> there was enough public outrage where it's like, yeah, they had to override the veto. And now the, the families are currently in court. And what the families have been trying to do, and this is like the most recent update in terms of the 9-11 story. The families have been trying to get access to the, the documents from this FBI internal investigation about Saudi Arabia's connection to 9-11. It's called Operation Encore. If you want, you can read. There's a long ProPublica article about Operation Encore. But it was basically the FBI. They set up uh, a, a unit to investigate Saudi connections to 9-11. And then they found Saudi connections to 9-11. So, of course, they shut it down in 2016 and immediately classified all the information. And only just March this year, March 2022, uh, Joe Biden quietly released um, the like a 500-page report that they put together in 2016. And you know, uh, Branko Marsetic, writing in Jacobin, March 2022, has a piece titled "We Have New Evidence of Saudi Involvement in 9/11 and Barely Anyone Cares." And why it's relevant is because the FBI investigation found that this Saudi guy, Omar Al Bayoumi who met those two hijackers, the same ones that the CIA Alex station made sure were able to enter the United States. He met them in Los Angeles. He immediately uh, co-signed their lease, gave them $1,500 uh, to pay their first month's rent, and he like drove them to San Diego. He helped them move. And their rent was only 1300 <laughs> so you know where that other two went. Wait, who is this guy? <laughs> right What's his, his name? Right into some strippers G-string. Yeah. <laughs> his name is Omar Al-Bayoumi. You can look him up. But so it's like a sugar daddy for these yeah. guys. The 9-11 well, sugar daddy. Yeah. yeah. And so basically the 9-11 Commission does very briefly mention this. And they say, oh, he was just a nice guy. They said the 9-11 Commission essentially says we have no reason to suspect he knew these people were terrorists. We have no reason to suspect he had any knowledge of 9-11 the op uh, or was any involved in any intelligence service. But the Operation Encore FBI investigation found out that he was a Saudi intelligence agent. Yeah. He was. And you can trace this all back to Saudi Arabia has oil. And yeah. that's why we we yeah. let them do whatever they yeah. we let them kill all our firefighters. But yeah, he was he was living in San Diego since 1994, supposedly as a student, but he only went to one class in 1994 and had never been back, which is what you do for an intelligence agency cover. He was paid by the Saudi Aviation Ministry for a ghost job, a no-show job, and he was also paid by the uh, Saudi ambassador to the United States at the time, uh, who was nicknamed Bandar Bush. He's Prince Bandar, but they called him Bandar Bush because he was so close to the Bush family. And two days after 9-11... You can look at a photograph of this. Bandar Bush, Dick Cheney, and Condoleezza Rice, September 13, 2001, are smoking cigars on the patio of the White House. Why the fuck are you doing that except to celebrate yeah, something? Yeah, unless you just had a baby, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. But, and he and even... We know Condoleezza Rice isn't getting <laughs> nutted in by a man. <laughs> but, you know, and Prince Bandar even said, he told a journalist, we had Saudi Arabia, we had intelligence agents following the hijackers, and if only the U.S. had, like, listened to us, 9-11 could have been stopped. So it's what like, does that even mean, listen to us? Why would they say that? Doesn't that throw us under the bus? Yeah, because that's, like, the other thing is, like, by August and July, the U.S. was getting a lot of warnings from foreign governments that something was going on, and right. they were all ignored. But, you know, and look, um, I guess we'll continue this on the Patreon, because... Uh, I could go on forever, yeah, but, that. you know, it's it's just something where it's like, it kind of drives me crazy, and it's 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 a mental block that you run into with most Americans that's understandable, because when you first kind of accept it, you're going to have a rough couple weeks, and it's right. hard to kind of go the next step of, like, I have 
any desire to like go to the grocery store and be a human yeah, and talk yeah, to yeah. my wife when I'm like And it's just so much easier to be like, You're crazy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like, you know, like I mean, even talking about this, I feel worried for our prospects of getting jobs in comedy. Oh, well, I was because, just listening to you, Sean. Yes. You guys <laughs> totally yeah, you have you fucking whack job. <laughs> you fucking maniac. Anyway. Yeah. We, yeah, so, we were actually we let you talk, and now we're gonna go get you help. Is what no, we're gonna yeah, do exactly. Next. You know, Listeners. What? you have all the permission in the world to throw me under the bus here, <laughs> but it is like I mean, it's like political correctness. Honestly, at some point, it's like they can't fire all of us. So, what kind of fucking country do you want to live in? Do you want to mm. know the truth? Does that matter at all? Mm-hmm. Do we have to lie and delude ourselves? Do you want to fucking watch Saturday Night Live and The Daily Show, or do you want to listen to podcasts? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's your choice. But anyways, in summary, we'll continue this a bit on the Patreon and investigate 9-11. Hey, do you want to pay $15.99 a month for Disney Plus, or do you want to pay $5 a month to hear us say more stuff about 9-11? We're going to tell you, join right. us. 9-11's 21. Take it out for a drink. Yeah. We'll see you on the Patreon. Patreon.com oh, yeah. slash Out for Smokes Pod. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, some uh, uh, connections of uh, from the CIA and the entertainment industry. The Pakistani ISI. We'll talk about that connection to, to 9-11. And you know, 9 is 21, so that means Leo de- is gonna about to break up with it. <laughs> Leo's gonna fuck 9-11. You heard it here. First, <laughs> and not on Twitter first. Here, Five, not everybody on Twitter saying 7, 000, it. 7,000. Yeah, this will be out before, before everybody else makes those 21-year-old jokes. Yeah, so join us over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Pod. See you over there. Thanks for listening. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs>